Hey friends, welcome to the Sacred Story Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Wilcox, and I'm so glad you're here. During this time, we carve out sacred space to reflect on our God-author stories, to hear from women in the chapters of their stories, and to think about God's greater story around the world. I'm excited to introduce ordinary yet brave women who are declaring God's faithfulness. I'm honored to be on the journey with you. Here's this week's episode. Well, I'm here with Ashley, who we had a conversation with on our last podcast series. She was episode number seven. And I know that for those of you who have listened, and you ha- if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and listen because there's amazing work that God's doing in the area of the world that she is currently serving in, and this is in the Middle East. And so Ashley's here with me again. Welcome to the Sacred Story Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's fun that we get to connect up again because I recently was over in that area of the world and got to see Ashley in person in her place where she's um, working. And it was great to see how God is moving through her and, and get a glimpse of your world. And so tell us a little bit, since we were together, how do you see God moving over in the Middle East? Right now, I just really believe that it's the hour where God is awakening His church in the East, specifically the Middle East. Um, I recently got engaged, and my fiancé himself, he is um, yeah, a disciple maker in that region, and it's amazing. The peoples that we're seeing come to the Lord, He, whether it's Afghani, Irani, Turks, Syrians, Arabs, we're just seeing a widespread hunger for the Word of God and ones who are wanting to get trained um, and just discipled and mentored over there. And it is really true in this hour that um, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. um, And that's what we're seeing right now. Okay, let's back up. Let's back up to the fact that you just got engaged. Okay, everyone wants to hear. What is the story behind that? Well, I actually met him probably about six years ago when I first went out to the Middle East. And we were in a country that's 17 million people. I was on one side of the city and he's on the total total opposite. He had just fled from persecution from a very closed country where he came to faith. Um, And we actually literally... the person I was with we were going uh to a Iranian church to serve there and on the way we're like man we're a little hungry like let's get a piece of bread or something and it just so happens there was two uh believers that were in there uh, where we went and he was one of them and that's where we first met four years later he got trained uh got into leadership and the Lord reconnected us and it was just very clear that the Lord had connected us so it was amazing but very unique interesting story and we both actually only speak Turkish together which is not our either of our countries or either of our languages our mother language so it's fascinating that the Lord even gave us Turkish the language that we speak just to be together also yeah because men and women have a hard enough time communicating so I'm thinking now you're speaking not even in your native language okay I'll be praying for you sister So, but I agree, it's the harvest is plentiful, and we are praying that the Lord of the harvest would send workers out. I want to talk in particular about what's going on in Iran. I know that there's been a lot of awareness raised about Iran lately, and just the church there. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what you get about the pulse of the current situation. Right now, um, the statistics, if not everyone knows, is 
Iran is the fastest growing church in the world right there next to China. And so even statistically, we are seeing that it's really exploding, that we're seeing movement underground. Something that's so fascinating is most of the leaders of these movements are women. Um, it's not connected with anything you know, underground. Even if you see a movement, they can't, most of the time they can't go back and say, oh, this movement started with this person or through this network. It's very, so widespread and the movement is so strong that nobody can tie it back to any one thing, that it's truly Jesus that has started this movement, that's sustaining it. Um, I know that I, I'm so provoked by just the pureness of the gospel in that country. Um, I actually heard a believer once say that they're thankful for persecution because it keeps the church clean. Um, and so things that maybe in the West, Western church that we kind of get stuck on or become stumbling blocks for us, they would be like, wait, we don't even know that's a thing. Like we won't even translate that to our people because we want it to really keep the pure, simple gospel to them. That way they're able to multiply and reproduce um, what they've really received. And so that's really provoking for me. Yeah, that is amazing. And it's amazing that persecution does speed the gospel and speed the the message of Christ. So from my understanding, you cannot convert to Christianity Iran. It's illegal if you are from a Muslim background. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, I mean, even you're not able to get a Bible in hand. I know the story um, of somebody I know, they were actually in university I'd never seen Christian, Bible, anything like that. And a mentor, just a business in university, had given them a business mentor book. Within that mentor book, um, the business side of things was a verse from the Bible. And every time he read it, like really just something was happening in his heart and his mind. And so he's like, I have to see what this is. Found it on the internet. So that's mostly... A lot of ways that people are able to hear about crisis through that. It's not usually through a witness or um, through knowing another Christian, but it's these creative ways where God gives them dreams or this occurrence. Um, and this specific person also, they went to Iraq, and it, Iraq is actually where they saw the first Christian they'd ever seen and knew, like, oh, we can be something other than a Muslim. Um, and in that place as well, he was working... And he was crying out to God, like in Isaiah, in the New Testament, these disciples, you showed yourself to them. You sent them witnesses. Like, why haven't you sent me a witness? Why haven't you showed yourself to me? And it was in that place that God shone a light on him and protected him actually from getting hurt from um, an occurrence. And he knew from there that, wow, okay, Jesus encountered me. God has encountered me and he is real. Uh, and that's just, just that hunger to know the true God is really real. Yeah, it's amazing that God meets the seeking heart. I have heard those stories of people having dreams or visions, and then somebody comes along to actually share the message of Christ in Iran. And I have heard that, like a taxi driver, a woman told me a story when I was um, serving over in that part of the world that she was from Iran, and, and um, but she said that she got into a taxi driver's um, car and he was playing worship music and she had had a hunger to know somewhat about Christianity but since it's so suppressed she had no way to ask her questions and then 
it happened to be this taxi driver shared with her about faith in Christ and led her to faith and then ended up um, giving her a Bible. So it sounds like people are being courageous in that part of the world to share Christ at the expense of, you know, going to jail. I know that there have been underground um, believers who have been persecuted. Have you heard much about that? Um, yeah, I personally, but far off, I think persecution is just almost normal life um, for many of those out there, uh, whether they have to flee to another country or flee from family, because persecution can come in different ways, whether it's um, from the government side, from their family, culturally, where they culturally um, just, yeah, say they have to leave because they brought on cultural shame because it's based on the shame and honor system. Uh, but yes, I, I've known personally people who've had to flee from the country itself. Um, and knowing really at any time, like, you know, that they have like died with Christ and been made alive with him and that they really, like, I was just talking with one person recently who was saying, like, it's amazing, like, uh, now I'm alive in Jesus, and he's going to send me into hard places, even from where he has come, and that he's like, man, I, I have no fear, like, it's crazy, like, what's, you know, the Spirit of God deposited in those ones, and I just really believe that that's what God is raising up uh, in that land, is ones who will not even love their lives even unto death, and who are courageous and fearless, and know that what they've received from Jesus, that eternal life is better than anything that a man or can do to their uh, physical body. And so that courage and that boldness uh, that is in the church over there is just amazing. I I think that they are the victorious church. Sometimes I don't like even saying the word persecuted church, but I know that it's the language we use. Um, But I, I really think the Lord is, they're the ones that we need to learn from and glean from and humble ourselves and uh, be taught by them. I really think that we're in the hour of where the the Western Church needs to learn from the Eastern Church because God's depositing things in them that we need in order to grow in this next season as the global bride of Christ. And that's where I think it's so helpful to raise awareness and to say, here's what's going on in other part of the world because we know that our brothers and sisters are being, you know, challenged. They've been being persecuted, or but yet victorious. And I remember meeting a woman at one point who is from Iran, and she was a English teacher at a university. She had formally taught the Quran, and so but she had heard from um, she had heard a radio program, and she really liked the guy's voice, and she just kept listening to it and realized that they were stories from the Bible. And then eventually she realized she could know Jesus and she had never had that revelation that she could have a personal relationship with God. And that's why I find with people from Muslim backgrounds, it's just that the personalness of knowing a God who cares about your details of your life, who cares about you individually, who is motivated out of love. And whereas there's a lot of fear in, um, in the uh, Muslim faith. But I know that for her, she was arrested by some authorities and they took her, they took her and started challenging her and questioning her about being Muslim and if she was a Christian. And she said that she just said to them, I'm not, you know, they said, why have you changed your religion? And she said, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And, 
and they said, well, we will call you back again, but they let her go. So I know there are those situations where believers are watched, and then they're also questioned and interrogated at times. And I think about women in particular, because I've heard it's difficult, uh, society for women. Um, women are not allowed to divorce, only the male can divorce. And, um, and then one of my friends that lived there said that she had been um, some domestic violence by one of her male family members toward her, but they don't call the police because the police won't do anything about it. What have you noticed, or ha- have you noticed a lot, or heard more about the way women are treated? Uh, yeah, I think the culture, that Islamic culture that we see is directly influenced by what we see in the Quran, that it's just what you read for it is kind of what it's producing and what they're being discipled in, and so that is really real. I think it's hard to, because there's also a lot of deceptiveness within the Quran itself as well, and so when they're in that, there's also the shame and honor culture And so what shame does is it hides stuff like this. And so for the most part, like for a woman to be able to have a voice to speak out and to share, whether it's domestic violence, sexual abuse, um, yeah, any of those sort of things, there's going to be a lot of shame attached with it. So within that uh, culture or religion for them to speak up and share their voice will be very difficult unless something different happens um so i would say it is very normal but also at the same time i think that there is a lot of deception uh to make them think what they're in is how it's supposed to be so for instance this is maybe islam this way of life is all they've known and so they don't know that there's something different maybe out there. And so they're like, oh, no, this is good. This is the way we were raised. This is how we're taught. And to think, you know, that kind of the thinking within our culture is like if you think outside of what has been taught to you, then it's like shameful and wrong. And they're kind of being like this revolution. I don't know. You're just being outside of what you're supposed to be. And that's just wrong and shameful. And so that's also the trickiness of it is even if somebody was being, say, eh, sexually abused or anything in that place with women um, it's kind of hard to come out of those patterns that have been yeah that makes sense and so I think being in prayer for that part of the world and and for some of the women I met they've been so amazing the the women they just um, and I've met I've met some men too but I'm thinking about the stories I've heard from the women and how they are just um, full of life. I love that culture. It's full of life. There's family values. There's um, they're passionate people, which is really fun. Um, so I see a lot of um, a lot of things I love about the richness of the culture. But then you layer on the pain and the shame that is keeping them in bondage. And so, okay, so, you know, we're all about stories. And uh, do you have a story that you can think of of someone from Iran that has come to faith? I have um, one specifically that came um, recently from there to another country. And um, he was just going to visit a brother there who was going to share the word and he stayed there, didn't even really move him. He was much more an atheist, like not even into God. But while he was there, he was going back to Iran, and on his way he actually got a car, ac- car accident and broke his leg, which caused him to stay more. And so during that season, 
he had to stay around other believers and during that time he saw like how different people groups and different nations were able to love one another and he was like if this is this is what Jesus is about this is what Christianity is about this is what I want and immediately got baptized came to faith um, we had another story about somebody who had literally just saw a picture and was like wow there's so much peace like in their eyes like I want that and so we we're like okay like if you want this this is this is what happens and just like that like she prayed in the name of Jesus and she said something left her heart and she felt peace for the first time um, and even today she's just walking and so there's just testimony after testimony of these type of occurrences of how people are coming um, to the Lord and continuing to walk with him so that's a little bit there's more but (laughs) yeah sure there's a lot there's a lot of stories and I know that there was one guy and his wife that I had met in um, when I was in Greece and he had been a um a musical artist in Iran and the government did not like his lyrics and had called him in so there was nothing attached to it that was Christian but just didn't like what he was um singing about, and I don't even know exactly, but it must have been something that challenged the government on some level. And so they had a trial and kicked him out of the country. And he and his wife, young, they were young, they went to Athens and ended up coming to Christ there. So I think about how the persecution, the scattering of people brings the gospel to them and how this is happening um, for people that leave Iran as well. And so, okay, tell us a little bit about how we can pray for you and for that part of the world. Yeah, I just, like I had said earlier, I think so many Middle Eastern new believers, people are wanting to be trained, discipled, mentored. Uh, It almost feels like in this season, it's like so many young people are ready to be mentored, developed, and we just were like, okay, Wow, the harvest really plentiful and the laborers are few, but just be praying uh, that these new believers would really go deep in the Lord and that their roots would go deep and that they would just walk with Him um, and that also that the Lord would send out more laborers, that He would bring more people to train up these ones that are skilled laborers within this harvest and that we really feel an urgency um, even more than the, the crisis of the gospel, which is really important pivotal and important, Um, but also the crisis of raising up local leaders within these countries. And so we really want to focus on discipling, raising up young leaders, that these ones are going to be the ones who lead, you know, the country in the next years. And so we really want to see cultural transformation within these regions. So just pray for us that the Lord would strengthen us, that he'd equip us, that he would um, lead us and what that looks like, the steps for that, that he would w- open up a wide and effectual door for the gospel uh, for all of the workers there in that region, that it would really be a transformational change that happens and stays for generations, that they would really leave a legacy and an imprint in those countries. Yeah, well, we will be praying. I know that y'all are bright lights. Okay, so give me an idea. What's it like to have in-laws from another part of the world? To be in-laws. That's that's a good question. It's still that's still in discovery mode. I think it maybe brings me the most like huh, uh, like need some friends to help me with that process. We'll pray for you. <laughs> yeah, pray for me. And that you've met them. Um. Not in person technically yet, but they'll be coming soon. 
to meet them. So it'll be interesting also because of translation with that one because they don't know the main language we speak. But I think it will be great. I've met some of the siblings, but still have some you know, the, the main in-laws to meet. So it'll be fun. It'll yeah. Be. yeah, that'll be an adventure in the Lord. So, so are there believers beyond uh, your fiancé? Yes, he was the first one, but this season, um, the yeah, the whole another section of the family came to know the Lord. So, it's becoming more believers than not believers, which is amazing. Praise God! Yeah, that is awesome. Well, thanks, Ashley. We look forward to talking again, and maybe next time I'm over in that part of the world, we'll 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 come at everyone from live from the Middle East. So, thank you. Thank you. Sounds great. Can't wait.